Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. I want to do a quick, a quick recap about what we've kind of gone through these past three weeks up to this point. We've talked about every big hot button issue you can imagine, every big uh, social issue, political issue you can imagine. Um, and then yesterday we went to an event at our kids' school, um, which was amazing. I did not expect it. They were, they kind of asked every single parent to come to this, like it was like a, a requirement. Uh, my kids go to a private Christian school in Annaville, Arlington Heights Christian School, and they required all the parents to come to this. There was three opportunities to go. We went, and they showed a film called Nothing But the Truth. And man, did it not resonate with me. I thought I was going to fall asleep. I was like, man, we're going to go to school. I was so tired. I was like, we're going to school. I said, sure, you have to keep me up. I'm going to fall asleep. And then they started the film, and I could not, like, like I was just glued. Because everything they were talking about was everything we're talking about. I couldn't believe it. I was like, every little thing, every topic, every issue is exactly what we've been talking about in this series. And it just resonated with me so much. We talked in the first week about abortion. We talked about the evil that it is and how our stance as a church and as Christians should be to refuse that kind of ideology that says abortion is okay. There is nothing in scripture that supports it. Not only that, it actually condemns it 100%. We learned that abortion is Molech worship. Abortion is worship. Understand that. And it's not worship to the Lord. We talked about last week, we talked about sexual, not last week, the week before, sexual immorality. Uh, we talked about the issues with the LGBTQ community. And not only the fact that we love this community, we're praying for them, we're believing for God to set them free and bring them to church. Amen. But also the fact that within their own community, there's a lot of division because of stuff that's going on. Because some of them are really just like struggling with their identity. And some of them are actually on assignment from the enemy. There's a lot of people in that community that are there because they identify with that. They struggle with these issues their whole life. They see themselves one way. But there's a group of people who are really pushing ideas and agendas that are there on assignment from the enemy. And the reason I told you about this, that I recognize this, because I saw it first in the church. The Bible warns about this. The Bible talks about this. To be watchful about false teachers. To be watchful about wolves in sheep's clothing. And how they'll divide. They'll, they'll try to infiltrate and they'll try to separate people. And because I've seen this in the church before and I've watched this happen in many places... I was able to identify the fact that it's happening in that community. There are wolves in sheep's clothing in their own community who have no other agenda to help them, to love them, but really to push the enemy's agenda, which is far more debased, far more gross, far more disgusting than anything. And that's why our nation is in such an issue that it's in. Because right now we're fighting bills and fighting things that are trying to become laws that has already happened in Canada. We talked about it. It's already happened in Canada where if you misidentify someone, you can go to jail. And I provided all the information for you. I provided the links. A father misidentified his daughter as a girl when she wants to be called a boy. He went to jail, got fined $35,000, went out on bail, and was in house arrest. And the hospital was able to give her the puberty blockers to transition her to become a guy. Changed her name without his authority, without his approval. She's 13 years old. And the government and hospitals are supporting this because it is now law in Canada. They're our neighbor. They're our closest ally. They're right next door. So if you think I'm crazy, just go look it up. I give it all the, all the articles. There's like 10 different news websites that reported on it. Uh, there was a documentary that was done where the guy got on the phone. He's like, I can't leave my province, can't leave the house. This is where I'm at. They have my daughter. She's doing whatever she wants to do. This is going on. And that's the evil I'm talking about. We have family and friends who are in that community. They don't think that's right at all. But because there's this divisiveness going on in the community, there's this separation that's happening. And a lot of this community is really going, oh, no. And I pray that it wakes them up. 
to realize that what they're a part of is not healthy and is not of the Lord. Amen. We talked about this one phrase that I asked a question last week. I asked a heavy question last week. And I hope it made people think. I hope, I hope it made people examine themselves. I asked this question. I said, we can find common ground with everyone. And I used the example of Adolf Hitler when he said that uh, whoever wins the youth wins the future. We all agreed with that statement before we knew it came from Adolf Hitler. Because we can find common ground with everyone. But what we support, what we advocate for, and what we say is okay will determine where our heart is so i ask this question do i support advocate for or believe in something that a satanist would believe in and advocate and support i said ask yourself that question because if you do then there's an issue and repentance needs to come and healing needs to come and freedom of the mind needs to come. Because if you ask yourself that question and you find yourself falling into that category where, yeah, I do, for some reason, I do believe what they believe, there's a problem. And we have to get our information from where? The Word of God. We have to get our instruction from the Word of God. We don't get to choose our own understanding and our own truth which we're going to get into today. So we talked about how in this series we were going to operate with a kingdom mentality. In order for us to operate with a kingdom mentality, we have to understand we need a biblical world view. And I shared with you the fact that 37% of all pastors have a biblical world view, which should scare us. Because that's a third of all pastors who whose primary job is to teach you this, but they're not. Only a third are. The other 63% have what we identified as syncretism, where they'll take portions of scripture and ideologies from the world and blend them together. This is where we get the term woke, where we understand, oh no, we're, we're woke. We, we're, we're in, you know, we understand culture. No, no, no. We're not meant to understand or participate in culture. We're meant to influence and change and transform culture. And the only way we can do that is if we have a proper worldview. You can't get a proper worldview from the world. The only way to see the world properly is through scripture. The only way to see your life properly, your purpose, your calling, your True identity and true agenda is through scripture. If you get it from anywhere else, you have this idea of syncretism. And so what's, what's difficult, and I heard somebody say it once and it made so much sense, but you know the world is what it is right now. He said, don't be surprised when you send your children to the Romans and they come out thinking like Caesar. He's talking about education. We send our kids to schools that, unfortunately, are teaching their worldview. Everybody has a worldview. Not everybody has a biblical worldview. And every school in America is teaching an agenda, a worldview. And when our kids come out of school, they have been educated according to this worldview. And we have to understand that we should not be surprised if we allow our schools to be the only influence of truth. If your kids go to public schools, then your agenda, your job is to make sure that they know the truth as they walk through those doors. Because I will tell you, I've been to secular universities. Lies are everywhere. There is no truth. There is no truth. Truth is relative to them. We talked about how to be ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors meaning that everywhere I go, if I'm an ambassador, I represent the king. This series is called The Kingdom. We represent the king. We serve a king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Therefore, every part of my life should be subject to him. If we serve the king, 
then we have to represent him everywhere. We don't get to just choose when we represent him. You are a representative once you said, I follow the king. We are ambassadors for Christ. And if we're going to become ambassadors for Christ, we have to understand the king's agenda. How do you know the king's agenda? You read the word. You get in the formula yet. Everything goes through here. It doesn't go through your opinions. It doesn't go through your favorite news channel. It doesn't go through social media. It doesn't go through the latest video that went viral with 300 million views that said, this is the new way to look at the world. No, it goes through here and it always will. This is the only source of absolute truth. We were watching that film and a guy in law school was... In college and the professor says something about truth and he said I don't believe that the student says I don't believe that there's no such thing as absolute truth the, the professor said are you absolutely sure he reasoned himself out of his own logic <laughs> because if he's absolutely sure that's an absolute there you go See, people don't understand that there is absolute truth, and it doesn't come from the world. It comes from God. Science only confirms what God has already established. Amen. And now they're trying to change the science. They're trying to change what we call biology. And now we're questioning what a man and a woman is. Because science will eventually keep perpetuating the cycle of confusion if they don't get their source here. So we talked about how to become ambassadors for Christ. Today we're going to talk about how to serve the world. How do we serve the world? Knowing what we know about the world and what's going on. How do we serve them? And then next week we're going to talk about how to love the world. Because we're called to love them no matter what. We're called to love like Jesus. Jesus loved unconditionally. Jesus said, they're going to slap you in the face, turn your other cheek, let them slap that one too. How do we serve the world? How do we love the world? So first we have to remind ourselves the definition that is the premise for this whole series, which is seeking first the kingdom of God. What does this mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It means allowing the dominion of God to reign over every part of your life. Leave that up there. Allowing the dominion of God to reign over every part of your life. You don't get to choose what parts of your life he reigns over. If he is your king, he reigns over all. You don't get to say, yes, I'm going to give God this part and that part. That's not surrender. That's half-hearted commitment. Here's our first scripture for the day. You're going to love it. Luke, 20, or Luke 12, 49. It says, I have come to set the world on fire. And I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me. And I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come... To bring peace on the earth. No. I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart. Three in favor of me and two against. Or two in favor of and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. And mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That is such an encouraging verse. I'm going to make that my life verse. Right? Hmm, let me throw that on my wall. Let me get a tattoo of that one. Yes, Luke 12. Didn't come to bring peace. The world's going to burn. You know, I tried to look at this in so many different ways. I'm like, maybe Jesus is trying to say something else. I was sharing it with Cheryl. I was sitting there. I was like reading, studying Comparing translations, notes, commentaries, I'm looking at everything and I'm like, there is absolutely no other way to read this. 
There is no underlining meaning. There is no like, you know, the Greek here and the Greek there. And okay, yeah, it means really this. No, no. This is all straightforward language. It's in plain as plain can be. It means what it means. It means at the very beginning, I have come to set the world on fire and I wish you were already burning. And, you know, Sherry was like, well, maybe he means like passion, like people were going to be passionate for God. And I started going, okay, okay, let me look, let me look. And then no, it means judgment. Like that's what it means in its entire form. I wish it were already burning. I wish it was done. You know why? Because a judge wants justice. And justice means something has been resolved. Justice means correction has come. Everybody wants justice in our world, unless it's on them. We have social justice warriors who would never want to be judged. And here Christ is saying, I have come to set the world on fire. And I wish you were already burning. But instead of passing judgment at that point, he said, I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me. And I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. He took that judgment and put it on himself. The righteous judge took his own sentence, took his own decision and put it upon himself. But make no mistake, unfortunately, Jesus will force people to choose. He will. He will force people to choose. You have to choose who you're going to serve. So the message is called The Kingdom. Today's subtitle is How to Serve the World. But I have a subtitle for my subtitle. It's called Don't Be Stupid. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. I thank you for your presence in this place. I pray that it be your voice we hear, your words we hear, not me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to every heart and every mind. We thank you that there is no other spirit welcome here but the Holy Spirit. And that we give this service to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to make some statements here they'll be on the screen this is one that yesterday's video taught me and i thought it was excellent because it pertained to the sermon it says it is better to be divided by truth than united in error Oof. think about that for a minute because everybody wants unity i do too Bible says very clearly that God is pleased when his brothers dwell together in unity. But it is better to be divided by truth than to be united in error. Because what you unite yourself with, you are complicit in. Yeah. That's why Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. As much as we all want peace. I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring the truth. And the truth will divide. There is a difference between someone who follows Christ and someone who doesn't. The one who follows Christ truly has let the truth set them free. The one who does not follow Christ is still bound and is slave to sin. Doesn't mean a Christian is perfect. It just means we know who our king is. And we live our life to serve him. I'm going to make another statement here. Truth is exclusive. It's exclusive. Why is truth exclusive? Because Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is exclusive. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If he is truth, 
and the only way to heaven is through him. That's exclusivity. In every way you can look at it, that is exclusive. <laughs> it was interesting. I like, I like YouTube shorts. Anybody like watching YouTube shorts, you know? Like they're just real quick, one minute, you know, they're like, they copied Instagram and I think it's better. It's crazy. And uh, I watched one video of a, of a Christian guy arguing with a Muslim guy. And I watched the whole thing. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Next video was that same Muslim guy. Then the next video was the same guy. The next video was the same guy. It was like YouTube caught on that I was interested in that for like 30 seconds. And every video after became about that. And it was the same street preacher. He's a Muslim evangelist. Street preaching in the UK. Arguing with everyone, trying to teach them about the scripture. And he's saying, no, 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 we like Jesus. We like Jesus, but he's not the son of God. And he's sharing all about Jesus and all about, you know, who Jesus was. But he is not the son of God. He is our brother. And we honor him. And unfortunately, that already excludes him. That's the differentiation. Jesus said, if you do not believe on me that I am the son of God, there is no way for you to get to heaven. So this idea that all religions point to God and all religions are essentially the same and all religions essentially will get you there is false. It's false. And you have to be careful because truth is exclusive. Last statement I'll make. Truth without love is brutality. But love without truth is hypocrisy. Leave that up there. That's kind of, that's a big slab of steak right there. I can chew on that all day. Truth without love is brutality. We have to be loving. We have to share the truth with people, not because we're excited to get into an argument. Not because we want to yell at someone. Not because I can't wait to give them a piece of my mind. That's not, that's not how to share truth. You have to do it in love. It has to be from a place of compassion. It has to be from a place of honest concern and genuine care. Like, hey, listen, one day we all will be judged and you will either go to heaven or hell. I pray you don't end up in hell. And I want to share the truth with you to, to give you an opportunity to change course. That's love. Love is not just welcoming. That's good. Love is not just accepting them. That's great. But love is saying, here's what needs to be corrected. Here's what needs to be changed. Because love or truth without love is brutality. If I just yell the truth at you and you never experience the love of Jesus, all you get is offended. On the flip side, if I only love you and never tell you the truth, I'm being a hypocrite. Because love forces us to share the truth, to share Jesus, who is the truth. You following that? People who make the most noise are the most silent when it matters. Just take that for what it is. There's a time right now where Christians should be speaking up and speaking clear and speaking bold from a place of love, not of condemnation, not of hate, not of anger, but a place of love. And instead, what is being called loving is to be silent and not say anything for fear of offense. No, 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 no. Love without truth is hypocrisy. It goes together. Love and truth. The Bible says speak the truth in love. They go together. You cannot separate the two. You have to understand that. You cannot separate the two. 
Truth and love go together. I was doing some study and I wanted to, to learn more about the kingdom, right? And I'm learning more about the kingdom. And, it, and the Bible says uh, the kingdom of heaven is like. And there's eight times that the scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like. And I found it interesting, the correlations. The kingdom of heaven is like. And four times it was precious things like pearls or gold or a field, something valuable. And another four times... It was like a man with responsibility, uh, a, a person who owned a vineyard, a person who owned a home, a person who did this. And it was interesting. I was like, wow, that's interesting. You know, four times it talked about the kingdom of heaven is like something precious. The other four times it talked about how it was like a man with responsibility. I thought that was very interesting. So it made me question, how do we serve the world? The conclusion is simple. You tell them the truth in love. You tell them the truth. How do you serve the world? If we just simply give them everything and serve them, but we never tell them the truth, we're not really giving them the truth. We're not giving them what they need. So the kingdom of heaven is like this. Truth is precious. It's precious. It's like a, it's like a gem. It's, it's valuable. It's, it's like a pearl. Truth is precious. But it's our responsibility to share the message of truth. We don't just get to go, oh, we follow the truth. We follow the truth. We follow the truth. But we never share it with nobody. We never give it away. Why does God fill you? So that you can empty. So that he can refill you. So that you can empty. So that he can refill you so that you can empty. The Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be ye filled, right? It doesn't mean one time. You don't get to go, oh, you know, back in 1996, I got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Great. What's happened since? Have you given your relationship with God to someone else? Have you shared it with them? Have you given the best of, of your relationship and your understanding, your knowledge to others? If you have, then he's probably filled you again. If you haven't, then you're still stale. It's all just sitting there. The Bible talks about wine and new wine and old wine skins and new wine skins. You need to replenish. How do you do that? You share. You have to share the truth. If you really love someone, if you really love your friends at work, if you really love your neighbor, if you really love your family, share the truth in love with them. And you shall be filled. The truth is precious and it is our responsibility to share the message of the truth. Sharing the truth establishes the kingdom of God. Do you want the kingdom of God in your life? Do you want to serve the king? Do you want to be used by the king, a messenger of the king, then share the truth because sharing the truth establishes the kingdom of God in your life. I, I started looking at everything that I remembered about the kingdom, right? And I remember as a kid, you know, I, I grew up, you know, old school King James, New King James, and the Bible said in, in those translations, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then it also said the kingdom of heaven is in you. That always puzzled me. That always intrigued me. So I wanted to break that down for this for this series. And so the first part, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, a translation better used would be the, the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is when John the Baptist showed up on the scene before Christ makes his appearance. In Matthew 3, 2, it says, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. John is establishing the fact that there is, there is one coming very soon that's going to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And it's not going to look like what we think about. And in order to prepare, in order to prepare for the king, you need to repent of your sins. John is preaching a message that has never been preached up to this point. Repent of your sins. <laughs> what do you mean, John? We make sacrifice for our sins. They're forgiven every day. Is that no, no, no. This is a heart issue. This is an inward issue. Repent of your sins. The kingdom of heaven is near. And it was so interesting because all of a sudden the kingdom of heaven showed up, which was Jesus. He showed up. He got baptized. He established his kingdom on earth. In Luke eleven twenty, it says... And this is Jesus talking. But if I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Leave that one up there. If I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. This is an interesting statement. And I had to dig around a little bit. I was like, what is he really saying here? 
He's saying one of the signs, one of the markers that the kingdom of God has arrived in your life is that demons flee. So I don't have time to break it all down, but in the Jewish faith, in, in the Pharisees and Sadducees, they casted out demons. They, they would go and they would pray for people and sometimes they were successful, sometimes they weren't. And, and there was a lot of mystery behind it. And Jesus talks a whole lot about this and we don't have time for it. But he said, I showed up and casted out demons, therefore the kingdom of God is among you. In other words, here's the sign. You want a sign? Here's the sign. Demons are fleeing at a moment's notice. Every oppression, every ounce of weight, of guilt, of shame, of depression, of anxiety, it's all fleeing because I have come. How do you know the kingdom of heaven is, has arrived among you? He's casting out demons by the power of God. In Luke 17, 20, it says this. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, will the kingdom of God, when will the kingdom of God come? <laughs> what a wonderful question. When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by a visible sign. You won't be able to say here it is or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. In other words, it's over your head, dude. You haven't understood yet, have you? I've been telling you and telling you and telling you it's already here. Like the kingdom is here. It's invisible. You can't see it. It's spiritual. We learned a couple of weeks ago that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against a spiritual principality. We wrestle against spiritual issues. When you have a conflict with a person, you're really not in conflict with that person. You're in conflict with whatever's influencing that person. And it's trying to get unsettled with the Holy Spirit in you. Unfortunately, this is the world we live in where we are all, always at war. The Bible says your spirit is always at war. Your soul is always at war. You have to get used to the fact that we are all dealing with spiritual warfare. And so Jesus says, you don't even realize, but the kingdom of God is already among you. He was talking about himself. He's like, I'm here. Therefore, the kingdom is here. So I had to go research and say, what does it mean the kingdom of heaven is in you? I always thought that was interesting. There was even songs written about this. There was songs written about the kingdom of heaven is in you. But that is a poor translation. That, like you understand, like there's Greek, Hebrew, original language. People would translate it to English and it sometimes gets missed. But it doesn't mean it's in you. It means it's among you. The kingdom of heaven is among you. Where is this talking about? In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of a living life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You serve Christ with attitude. You will please God and others will approve you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church. Try to build each other up. We have to live in a way that we understand we are experiencing a portion, a measure of the kingdom of God in this life. Not the full weight of it, not the full realization of it, because one day the Bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth and his kingdom will be established. The kingdom will come down from heaven and come down to be with us in a real physical, tangible way. Up until then, we are dealing with a spiritual realm we don't yet understand. You need to understand this, though. I love food. And I'm sure there are plenty of you in this room that love food, too. Can I get an amen? If nobody going to amen me this morning, amen me on that, please. Okay, we got a couple of liars in here. It's okay. I see you. I see you. I'm going to pray for you after service. No liar. Go with it like a fire. You know what I'm saying? But I love food. And there's many things I enjoy, but Cheryl knows this. You want to make me happy? Feed me a good meal. I mean, we haven't had AC for like a week, but as long as I got good food, I ain't complaining. I don't complain. I enjoy food. Now, don't judge me. Some of y'all look at me like, a, you know, this is a glorified body. I'm telling you that. I love tacos. 
That's the natural part of me, right? I live in a natural world. We live in a natural world. We're raising real kids, like with boogers and diapers and all that fun stuff, right? And, and sometimes you have to deal with attitudes at work. Sometimes you got to deal with personalities that you clash with and all this stuff. We live in a natural world. Some of it we enjoy, some of it, eh, not so much. But understand this. We are also very, very much spiritual beings. And you might focus solely on the natural side of you and then go, oh, I'm going to get spiritual when I go to church. That don't make sense. Because every day you wake up, you should be talking to God. Every day you wake up, you should be saying, thank you, Lord, for another day. Use me, talk to me, work through me. We don't have as much time as we think, people. I was talking with someone the other day. They said, man, I feel like yesterday I was 20 years old. and Today I blinked and I got three kids and they're all grown and one's about to go to college. Are you kidding me? Life flashes. You don't got time to be wasting on TikTok. You don't got time to be wasting. Go, oh, this is, and let me just get spiritual on Sunday mornings. No, no, no. You are a spiritual being. Every part of your life has spiritual implications. Everything that you do, everything that you say, everywhere that you go, everyone you hang around with, what is the purpose? What is the point? Are you wasting your life? Are you just like going and going and going and just go, oh, I'll talk about God when it's time. Because the reality is this, 200,000 people die every day. That's a huge number. How many of them are making it into the entrance of heaven? How many of them heard the message? How many of them had a friend that was willing to share the love with truth in their life? How many? There's a reason why the Bible says wide is the gate to destruction and narrow is the path to life. Because we're distracted. We're distracted. We have our own thing. We have our own agenda. Work is hard. Yeah, guess what? Life is hard. Get used to it. It's hard for everyone. Some more than others. Be grateful for what you have and ask God to use you no matter what. Ask God to use you no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, no matter where you live, no matter what income you make, God can use you. You don't have to have this for God to use you. You have way more influence than you think, but you have way less time than you think. There needs to be an urgency in the church. Just look around. Just look around. You go out in the world long enough and you'll recognize that people are lost. We are dealing with a generation that doesn't know God at all. Two percent, guys. If you're under the age of 25, raise your hand. There you go. 2% of people under the age 25 serve the Lord in our nation. 2%. Do you want your kids to be part of the 98%? Do you want your kids to be more fascinated with what the world has to offer or more fascinated with the King of Kings? I could spend hours talking about that, but I will spare you. I pray that this reality gets to you. If it doesn't, then hopefully this will. Worship team, y'all can come up. We're going to read one more scripture. This is Matthew 25. This story is amazing. I love it. I've read it forever. I think it's one of the 
the best examples of the kingdom of God, the best examples of what it means to be a believer. Uh, hopefully this message will, will clear up some things for people. Understanding that regardless of where you come from or where you're going, you have to choose. You have to choose who you will serve. You have to choose if you're going to follow the king. You have to choose if you're going to be completely and solely dedicated to him or if you're going to be dedicated to your own agenda. Matthew 25 verse 1 says this. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Everybody say foolish and wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Everybody say extra oil. When the bridegroom was displayed, they all became, or was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming, come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up, prepared their lamps, and then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they shouted outside, calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back. Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Jesus' message is so clear. You can't get any more clear than that. Y'all can play when you're ready. I want to break this down for you. The word wise here, I looked it up. The word wise means smart. You know what foolish means? Stupid. Don't be stupid. If I can share one thing with you this morning, don't be stupid. Such encouraging news, right? Check it out. The number 10, there's 10 people here. There's 10 bridesmaids. You know what they represent? They represent the church. You see the Bible in ancient Judaism, the number 10 equaled what they called a minyan. It means a, a congregation where it was, they had to have 10 people to pray publicly and call themselves a congregation. So the number 10, the, the bridesmaids equals the church. There are 10 bridesmaids, which means they're all believers. These are people who believe the truth, who might know God. And they all expected the bridegroom to come. They're all expecting Jesus, right? They all had oil. They all had oil. But here's this. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. It is a picture of the Holy Spirit. It is a picture of the presence of God in someone's life. They all had it, but then they all fell asleep. Every single one of them, all 10, they fell asleep because the Lord delayed. And because the Lord delayed, they got drowsy. They couldn't help it. They fell asleep. The only difference between the ones who got in and the ones who basically late to the party was the amount of oil they had it's the only difference you know what the difference will be for those that make it into heaven and those who don't how well do you know the lord 
because Jesus later on in Matthew 7 21 he says listen a lot of people will come to me in that day and say Lord Lord did I not cast out demons did I not lay hands on the sick did I not preach did I not teach in your name and he'll say to me depart from me I never knew you because you might have done all this stuff and, and thought it was about how much you did but it was how well I know you do you know me do you just look like a Christian and not actually know the Lord do you associate with the truth and not actually been set free by it we need a revival of truth in our generation understand this the only difference between them and the ones who made it in was the amount of oil but understand this though the oil had to be bought the oil isn't free the oil costs something and this is the problem most people in that age were automatically just kind of given some but the ones who brought extra it cost them that's why they said go to the shop buy some more we brought extra we paid the price to get extra you see some of us don't understand that it actually does cost us to serve the Lord it cost us to say yes to Jesus it cost our flesh a lot of things and that's okay because I want to be there with the food I want to be in the marriage supper I love food I want to be there in heaven I want to eat the best steak I've ever eaten in my life I don't want to be on the outside still hungry hello they didn't make it in they didn't get to go to the party they didn't get to go meet the king they didn't get to eat the food he said depart I never knew you because you didn't get the extra stuff you didn't have more oil you didn't spend the, the time that you needed to spend it didn't cost you anything to be here it's got to cost you a long time ago a man named King David was given a threshing floor so that he could make a sacrifice he said no 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 I need to buy it he said no no, no. you're my king you can have it King David just just take it he said no no, no. how dare I give God a sacrifice on something that costs me nothing see David understood it generations ago that if the sacrifice doesn't cost you anything you didn't earn it it doesn't belong to you if it didn't cost you something then the relationship doesn't exist marriage is sacrifice can I get an amen on that marriage costs you something doesn't it for a lot of men it means you give up a life that you used to have so you can honor your wife honor your kids and honor God for women it might mean that you give up certain dreams and aspirations so you can honor your husband honor your kids and honor God because marriage is a sacrifice and in order to accomplish dreams together there has to be sacrifice anybody understand what I'm saying the relationship has to cost you and if you think that somehow you have all the time in the world and as long as I just you know call myself a Christian I'm gonna be okay no, no, no. do you have your own oil do you have your own oil we can't serve the world with oil we don't have we're talking about how do we serve the world first you got to fill yourself up how can you serve the world anything and you don't have anything on the inside of you you can't serve the world with oil you don't have it has to be an outflow it has to be an overflow it has to be coming from a depth a well that you draw from that gets emptied and then refilled ultimately this if the king isn't your life's desire then it's time to get your desires in proper priority see he is my one desire I learned long ago that everything else is fleeting everything else is passing away did you know this the earth will one day cease to exist did you know this that heaven will one day cease to exist the Bible says that he will make a new heaven and a new earth don't hold on to this place too much and don't hold on to the idea of heaven that you have in your mind too much heaven is not the goal Jesus is 
Heaven is not the goal. I, I want to be sitting with the Lamb of God. That's the goal. That's the goal. I don't care where he puts me. He could put me on the corner at the very end, on the very breath of the end of the kingdom. I don't care. I just want to know that I'm with him. Because my place in heaven is not what matters. The disciples came to Jesus one day. They were all excited and puffed up. They said, Jesus, which one of us will you give the first throne to? Which one of us will be seated at your right hand and your left? And he said, you idiots. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you serve first. Don't worry about your place in heaven. Make sure that you're with the king make sure that he is your desire make sure that your desire is not about escaping this world but entertaining him at all times let's stand or i'll keep talking this morning before we proceed i want to do two things Number one, I want to give you an opportunity if you don't know the Lord, if you don't know the Jesus that we're talking about. I want to give you an opportunity to say, I want him to be my king. And number two, if you need prayer for something this morning, I believe, I believe God is going to do something in your life. I believe that change will happen. I, be, I believe that God can, can set people free. I believe that healing can come, that restoration can come. If you're dealing with something, if you're battling with something. So number one. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your king, you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you don't know him as your one and only desire, then today is the day to make that decision. Today is the day to make that choice. Today is the day to say yes. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. So I want to give you that opportunity. On the count of three, if you are here and you want to make Jesus the king of your life, I want you to lift your hands and receive him as the Lord of your life this morning. Number one, he loves you so much, he went to the cross for you. Number two, when he rose, he conquered sin over your life. Number three, it's your time today. Lift your hand if that's you. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support our ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you and God bless.